Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. For today, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S. here at UBS. Shane, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for dropping by. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you. So, Shane, since we last spoke, it has been a couple of weeks. We did take a pause for the Thanksgiving holiday, but there has been a lot taking place. I'm thinking about geopolitics over the past week. We've witnessed the gradual release of hostages by Hamas during a temporary ceasefire period, uh, which has since expired. Fighting has resumed. Now, this coincides with another trip to Israel by Secretary of State Antony Blinken. So I'm curious what the Biden administration hopes to achieve during this latest visit. We did see some developments on that yesterday, Thursday. And what were the conditions of that temporary ceasefire? Yeah, you know, the conditions of the uh, temporary ceasefire were uh, that, you know, dozens uh, of Israelis uh, and other um, um, hostages were released. And, you know, it started with originally four-day uh, ceasefire that extended a few days, and and Israel said from the get go, we'll extend the ceasefire as long as you uh, release ten hostages per day. That is, you know, ten hostages equal one day of extended ceasefire. Um, but you know that ran out, and you know the last few days were pretty contentious, as we saw back and forth about um, some of the terms uh, not being met, and so the end result was. You know, the war has resumed. Uh, and at, at kind of the same time, you're correct, you had U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken over in Israel, and he met with the war cabinet. And the message from the Biden administration essentially, you know, recognized that uh, the war would be resumed. And uh, Secretary Blinken was trying to put pressure on Israel uh, to say, listen, you know, this is war. There are going to be uh, civilian casualties, but we need Israel to continue to do and make further efforts to ensure that there are as few civilian casualties as possible. You know, and Israel obviously reiterated their points that they um, have often uh, warned civilians to get out of certain areas and are, are making efforts to try and limit civilian casualties. Um, but, you know, I think uh, Secretary Blinken and the Biden administration want to see further efforts. And, you know, Israel was open to this, you know, at, and then at the same time, Secretary Blinken acknowledged, you know, that Hamas often embeds itself uh, amongst civilians, which complicate it. Um, so I think that message was received by Israel. and They're going to try and take some uh, further precautions to avoid civilian casualties. But make no mistake, I think Israel is going to push ahead forcefully to uh, kill Hamas and end Hamas's uh, reign in Gaza. And, you know, at the same time, they're going to try and see if they can uh, rescue the hostages that were not uh, turned over by Hamas. Um, you know, I would also uh, um, note that, you know, uh, there that uh, Secretary Blinken kind of gave a, another warning to Israel saying, listen, you know, we understand that this is a war that's not going to end in, uh, in the near term. But, you know, um, Israel is risking the loss of some 
international support if this continues too long. So kind of pressing Israel to uh, try and uh, uh, press harder to finish and essentially, uh, um, you know, uh, finish the war. But, you know, those are two different messages uh, that essentially is receiving at the same time, which is one, proceed with caution, go, you know, to limit civilian casualties, and at the same time, go quickly so this doesn't linger on. So those kind of compete, which is going to be for an interesting outcome of how Israel uh, prosecutes this war in the coming days and weeks ahead. Well, it does remain a very complex, fluid situation, which will, of course, continue to keep our listeners updated on, though thank you, Shane, for bringing us up to speed on the latest. Do you want to come back stateside? There were some developments up on Capitol Hill recently, which appear to have lessened the odds of a U.S. government shutdown comes late January of 2024. Uh, I understand that this is a development stemming from the Freedom Caucus walking back some of their demands. So what can you share with us here. Yeah, so, you know, for a reminder for everyone, um, government funding was extended um, in two parts. Uh, the first part till January uh, 19th, 2024, and the second part to February 2nd. So even if we have a, a shutdown on January 19th, it's only a partial government shutdown. So that is helpful in some senses because it allows um, uh, lawmakers to focus on certain areas first and trying to get some momentum there. But you're you're exactly right. And this is a little bit of a head-scratcher to some in D.C. like myself, where, you know, the Freedom Caucus had been taking this very hard line on uh, spending. And part of this was from the uh, Fiscal Responsibility Act that was passed earlier this, uh, this year, and that was the debt limit deal that kind of set out a top-line number. And the Freedom Caucus opposed that because it was, in their minds, too high spending. They have uh, come out this week saying, you know, that is an acceptable number, um, which is kind of uh, the head scratcher in this to many is that, you know, this was part of the reason that uh, Kevin McCarthy was ousted as speaker. So, you know, that they've walked back a little. That provides a little bit of breathing room um, as there's uh, going to be some very uh, – intense negotiations over the next few weeks on uh, government spending. I think a lot of this will be done quietly in a bipartisan way, but there are still a number of, of uh, differences between the House and Senate position. And, you know, overall, we, we kind of lean towards the Senate winning because of the bipartisan nature that the Senate uh, has in that it needs bipartisan support to pass the Senate. So, you know, what passes the House necessarily can't pass the Senate, but what can pass the Senate probably can pass the House. Um, but uh, that, uh, again, puts Speaker Johnson in a precarious position where he's putting something on the floor that is bipartisan versus, you know, something that is wholly acceptable by the entire Republican con con conference, most notably the Freedom Caucus. So this is going to be interesting few weeks coming up. Um, I think you're generally correct that this um, lessens the percentage of a government shutdown next year, um, but it does not eliminate it by any means. I think there's still a, a real chance that happens, um, but it's a little too early. I think we got to get through the holidays, see, you know, did the festive mood of the holidays, you know, lighten some people up and 
uh, or do they, um, you know, come back and, you know, maybe feel renewed in their fight and dig in their heels even further? Will be interesting to see how this plan resonates with members of Congress, and certainly this story will continue to follow up on in the weeks ahead. Closing out on a somber note this week, we did witness the unfortunate passing of former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, whom had a very storied diplomatic career within Washington, D.C., though around the globe as well. So from your vantage point, Shane, how is Secretary Kissinger being remembered, and what legacy has he left? Yeah, I mean, first of all, quite a remarkable uh, life he lived, you know, 100 years and thinking about um, all the things he accomplished uh, in that time. It's pretty remarkable. But, you know, what will his legacy be is kind of a different question. And I think this is a a scenario where you think of, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And there will be people who think very favorably upon his legacy. And there will be people who, who, um, you know, uh, do not, you know, I think those, and, and of course some people may see it as mixed, which I think, you know, could be the answer, um, that history, um, focuses on, you know, 50 years from now, you know, from the, what did he accomplish? He accomplished a number of things, you know, the opening of China, the Vietnam Accords that, you know, essentially, uh, ended the war, um, in Vietnam, detente with the Soviet Union, um, you know, Middle East. I mean, we're talking about war in Israel um, today, but back in 1973, uh, Israel was caught off guard uh, by an attack by Egypt and Syria. And, you know, Kissinger was, you know, virtually on nonstop flights between um, uh, Israel, uh, Egypt, and Syria and took a, a diplomatic effort to try that uh, was called shuttle diplomacy. Uh, to eventually, you know, um, have a ceasefire. Uh, on the, on the, you know, um, negative side, a lot of people will think about, you know, the coup in Chile, uh, you know, the bombing in Cambodia. So, you know, to some extent, he's going to have a checkered history. Um, but it's going to be, like I said, I think pe- how people choose to view it. Um, will they focus on the, the positive, the negative, or maybe both? And, you know, at the end of the day, he has definitely left his mark not only on the United States, but uh, the globe. And, you know, uh, diplomacy is sometimes not um, uh, a manner of where, you know, everything does come out your, your way. And history uh, sometimes is kind and sometimes is not to how it remembers you. Definitely was a fascinating life of service. As always, we do look forward to picking back up with our conversation in the week ahead. Wish you a great weekend. Thank you. You too, Dan. Thank you, Shane. Again, today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Senior Governmental Affairs Advisor with Governmental Affairs U.S., here at UBS. I do want to point out to our listeners, our clients of UBS, you can now locate the latest Washington Weekly publication available on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.